0: This is a poem by Walt Whitman at the time that Lincoln was killed. There were many, but I guess, you know, this was one of the most famous ones and one of the most famous things that Walt Whitman did. He had—it's kind of related to the battlefield. (coughs) He had worked on the battlefields and uh, knew the horrors of war, but he was—this is a little bit different because he was talking about Lincoln. Oh, captain, my captain— our fearful trip is done the ship has weathered every rack the prize we sought is won the port is near the bells I hear the people all exulting, while follow eyes the steady keel the vessel grim and daring but oh heart 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 oh the bleeding drops of red where on the deck my captain lies fallen cold and dead Oh, captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up for you, the flag is flung. For you, the bugle trails, for you, bouquets and ribbon wreaths. For you, the shores are crowding. For you, they call, the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, captain, dear father, this arm beneath your head, it is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. My captain does not answer, his lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm, he has no pulse nor will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip, the victor ship comes in with object one. Exalt, O oh shores, and ring, O oh bells. But I, with mournful tread, will walk the deck my captain lies, fallen, cold, and dead. This is a poem by Rudyard Kipling that I always liked. When Earth's last, it's called El Envoy, When Earth's last picture is painted and the tubes are twisted and dried, When the oldest colors have faded and the youngest critic has died, We shall rest, and faith we shall need it, Lie down for an eon or two, Till the master of all good workmen shall set us to work anew, And those that were good will be happy. They shall sit in a golden chair. They shall splash at a ten-league canvas with brushes of Comet's hair. They shall have real saints to draw from, Magdalene, Peter, and Paul. They shall work for an age at a sitting and never be tired at all. And only the master shall praise us, and only the master shall blame. And no one shall work for money, and no one shall work for fame. But each for the joy of working, and each in his separate star, shall draw the thing as he sees it, for the God of things as they are. This is a poem by Edwin Markham, and I had learned it when I was in high school. And I just really, really liked it, and I liked it so well. When I got to college, my teacher was quite impressed, I guess, because i it was one that I really liked, and uh, so she had me read others, and I didn't ever do the others as well. I just didn't feel as much about some of his other ones as I did this one. Uh, also, an interesting thing about Edward Markham, I found a whole uh, series of books that an old old copies, and I bought them and I gave them to Johnny, and he has these in their kind of histories of. Uh, Europe and United States I believe. Anyway this was also part of <clears throat> what Edwin Markham had done but this poem by him I liked very much called The Man with the Hoe." <clears throat> Bowed by the weight of centuries he leans upon his hoe and gazes on the ground the emptiness of ages in his face and on his back the burden of the world. Who made him dead to rapture and despair? A thing that grieves not and that never hopes. Stolid and stunned a brother to the ox who loosened and let down this brutal jaw. Whose was the hand that slanted back this brow? Whose breath blew out the light within this brain? Is this the thing the Lord God made and gave to have dominion over sea and land? To trace the stars and search the heavens for power? To feel the passion of eternity? Is this the dream he dreamed who shaped the suns and marked their ways upon the silent deep, ancient deep? Down all the stretch of hell to its last gulf, there is no shape more terrible than this, more tongued with censure of the world's blind greed, more filled with signs and portents for the soul, more fraught with danger to the universe. What gulfs between him and the seraphim? Slave of the wheel of labor, what to him are Plato and the swing of Pleiades? What the song reaches of the peaks of song, the long reaches of the peaks of song, the rift of dawn, the reddening of the rose. Through this dread shape the suffering ages look. Time's tragedy is in that aching stoop. (coughs) Through this dread shape humanity betrayed, plundered, profaned, and disinherited. Cries prosthest to the judges of the world, a protest that is also prophecy. O masters, lords, and rulers in all lands, is this the handiwork you give to God, this monstrous thing distorted and soul quenched? How will you ever straighten up this shape, touch it again with immortality, give back the upward looking and the light, rebuild in it the music and the dream? Make right the immemorial infamies, perfidious wrongs, immidicable woes. O masters, lords, and rulers in all lands, how will the future reckon with this man? How answer his brute question in that hour when worlds of winds of rebellion shake the world? How will it be with kingdoms and with kings and those who shaped him to the thing he is? when this dumb terror shall reply to God after the silence of the centuries. Here's a poem by Alan Sigurd. I'm sorry but it's also kinda like some of the death ones and I hope it doesn't bother you. This is by Alan Sigurd. I have a rendezvous with death. I have a rendezvous with death at some disputed barricade When spring comes back with rustling shade and apple blossoms fill the air, I have a rendezvous with death when spring brings back blue days and fair. It may be he shall take my hand and lead me into his dark land and close my eyes and quench my breath. It may be I shall pass him still. I have a rendezvous with death on some scarred slope of battered hill. When spring comes round again this year and the first meadow flowers appear, God knows for better to be deep, pillowed in silk and scented down, where throbs love throbs out in blissful sleep, pulse nigh to pulse and breath to breath, where hushed awakenings are dear. But I have a rendezvous with death at midnight in some flaming town, when spring trips north again this year, and I to my pledged word am true, I shall not fail that rendezvous. Okay, this is by Alfred Noyes, it's called The Highwayman. The wind was a torrent of darkness among the gusty trees, the moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas, the road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor, and the highwayman came riding, 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 the highwayman came riding up to the old inn door. He had a French cocked hat on his forehead, a bunch of lace as his chin, a coat of the claret velvet and breeches of brown doe skin, they fit him with never a wrinkle. His boots were up to the thigh, and he rode with a jeweled twinkle. His pistol butt a twinkle, his rapier hilt a twinkle under the jeweled sky. Over the cobbles he clattered, over he clattered and clashed in the dark inn yard. And he tapped with his whip on the shutters, but all was locked and barred. He whistled a tune to the window, and who should be waiting there but the landlord's black-eyed daughter, Bess, the landlord's daughter, plaiting a dark red love knot into her long black hair. And dark in the dark, old inn-yard, a stable wicket creaked. Where Tim the ostler listened, his face was white and peaked. His eyes were hollows of madness, his hair like moldy hay. But he loved the landlord's daughter, the landlord's red-lipped daughter. Dumb as a dog, he listened, and he heard the robber say, one kiss, my bonny sweetheart, I'm after a prize tonight. But I shall be back with the yellow gold before the morning light. Yet if they press me sharply and harry me through the day, Then look for me by moonlight, watch for me by moonlight. I'll come to thee by moonlight, though hell should bar the way. He rose upright in the stirrups, he scarce could reach her hand. But she loosened her hair in the casement, his face burned like a brand. As the black cascade of perfume came tumbling over his breast. And he kissed its waves in the moonlight, oh sweet black waves in the moonlight. Then he tugged at his rein in the moonlight and galloped away to the west. He did not come in the dawning. He did not come at noon. And out of the tawny sunset before the rise of the moon, when the road was a gypsy's ribbon looping the purple moor, a red-coat troop came marching up to the old inn door. King George's men came marching up to the old inn door. They said no word to the landlord. They drank his ale instead, but they gagged his daughter and bound her to the foot of her narrow bed. Two of them knelt at her casement with muskets at their side. There was death at every window and hell at one dark window, for Bess could see through the casement the road that he would ride. They had tied her up to attention with many a sniggering jest. They had bound a musket beside her with a barrel beneath her breast. Now keep good watch, and they kissed her. She heard the dead man say, Look for me by moonlight, watch for me by moonlight, I'll come to thee by moonlight, though hell should bar the way. She twisted her hands behind her, but all the knots held good. She writhed her hands till her fingers were wet with sweat or blood. They stretched and strained in the darkness, and the hours crawled by like years, till now on the stroke of midnight, cold on the stroke of midnight. The tip of one finger touched it, the trigger at least was hers. The tip of one finger touched it she strove no more for the rest. Up she stood up to attention with a barrel beneath beneath her breast. She would not risk their hearing. She would not strive again. For the road lay bare in the moonlight, blank and bare in the moonlight, and the blood of her veins in the moonlight throbbed to her love's refrain. Clot, lot clot, lot had they heard it? The horse hoofs ringing clear. Clot, 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 in the distance. Were they deaf that they did not hear? down the ribbon of moonlight, over the brow of the hill. The highwayman came riding, riding, riding. The redcoats looked to their priming. She stood up, straight and still. tla in the frosty silence. Tlotlot in the echoing night. Nearer he came, and nearer her face was like a light. Her eyes grew wide for a moment. She drew one last deep breath. Then her fingers moved in the moonlight. Her musket shattered the moonlight, shattered her breast in the moonlight, and warned him with her death. He turned, he spurred to the west, he did not know who stood, bowed with her head o'er the musket, drenched with her own red blood, not till the dawn he heard his face grew gray to hear how Bess the landlord's daughter, the landlord's black-eyed daughter, had watched for her love in the moonlight and died in the darkness there, but he stirred, but he spurred like a madman, shrieking a curse to the sky, with the white rose smoking behind him, and the rapier brandished high. Blood red were his, when they shot him down on the highway, down like a dog on the highway, and he lay in the blood on the highway with a bunch of lace at his throat. And still of a winter's night, they say, when the wind is in the trees, when the moon is a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas, when the road is a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor, a highwayman comes riding, riding, riding. A highwayman comes riding up to the old inn door. Over the cobbles he clatters and clangs in the dark inn yard. He taps with his whip on the shutters. All, but all is locked and barred. He whistles a tune to the window, and who should be waiting there? But the landlord's black-eyed daughter. Bess, the landlord's daughter. plaiting a dark red love knot into her long black hair. Okay, this... Uh, this is by Rudyard Kipling, and it's from his Just So stories, and he wrote about uh, the cat that walks by himself, which is this one. He also wrote Why the Elephant Has a Trunk, and he wrote about other things in his Just So stories. And I hope you will read them all, but this is the one, The Cat That Walked By Himself. It's my favorite of his Just So stories. Hear and attend and listen, for this befell and be happened and became and was, O my best beloved. When the tame animals were wild, the dog was wild and the horse was wild and the cow was wild and the sheep was wild, and the pig was wild, as wild as wild could be, and they walked in the wet wild woods by their wild loans, but the wildest of all the wild animals was the cat. He walked by himself and all places were alike to him. Of course, a man was wild, too. He's dreadfully wild. He didn't even begin to be tame till he met the woman, and she told him that she did not like living in the wild ways. She picked out a nice dry cave instead of a heap of wet leaves to lie down in, and she strewed clean sand on the floor, and she lit a nice fire of wood at the back of the cave, and she hung a dried, wild horse skin tailed down across the opening of the cave, and she said, wipe your feet, dear, when you come in, and now we'll keep house. That night, best beloved, they ate wild sheep roasted in the hot stones and flavored with wild garlic and wild pepper and wild duck stuffed with wild rice and wild fenugreek with coriander and marrow bones of wild oxen and wild cherries and wild grenadillas. Then the man went to sleep in front of the fire, ever so happy. But the woman sat up, combing her hair. She took the bone of the shoulder of mutton, the big fat blade bone, and she looked at the wonderful marks on it, and she threw more wood on the fire, and she made a magic. She made the first singing magic in the world. Out in the wet wild woods, all the wild animals gathered together where they could see the light of the fire a long way off, and they wondered what it meant. Then Wild Horse stamped with his wild foot and said, "O oh my friends and oh, my enemies, why have the man and the woman made this, that great light in that great cave? And what harm will it do us? Wild Dog lifted up his wild nose and smelled the smell of roast mutton and said, I will go up and see and look and say, for I think it is good. Cat, come with me. Nenny said the cat, I am the cat who walks by himself. And all places are alike to me. I will not come. Then we can never be friends again, said Wild Dog, and he trotted off to the cave. But when he had gone away, little way, the cat said to himself, all places are alike to me. Why should I not go to and see and look and come away at my own liking? So he slipped after Wild Dog softly, very softly, and hid himself where he could hear everything. When Wild Dog reached the mouth of the cave, he lifted up the dried horse skin with his nose and sniffed the beautiful smell of the roast mutton. And the woman, looking at the blade bone, heard him and laughed and said, Here comes the first wild thing out of the wild woods. What do you want? Wild dog said, Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy. What is this that smells so good in the wild woods? (laughs) Then the woman... Then the woman picked up a roasted mutton bone and threw it to Wild Dog and said, Wild thing out of the wild woods, taste and try. Wild Dog gnawed the bone, and it was more delicious than anything he had ever tasted, and he said, Oh my enemy and wife of my enemy, give me another. The woman said, Wild thing out of the wild woods, help my man to hunt through the day and guard this cave at night, and I will give you as many roast bones as you need. Ah, said the cat, listening. This is a very wise woman, but she's not as wise as I am. Wild Dog crawled into the cave and laid his head on the woman's lap and said, Oh, my friend and wife of my friend, I will help your man to hunt through the day, and at night I will guard your cave. Ah, said the cat, listening, that is a very foolish dog. And he went back through the wet wild woods, waving his wild tail and walking by his wild lone, but he never told anybody. When the man waked up, he said, What is Wild Dog doing here? And the woman said, His name is not Wild Dog anymore, but the first friend, because he will be our friend for always and always and always. Take him with you when you go hunting. Next night, the woman cut great green armfuls of fresh grass from the water meadows and dried it before the fire so that it smelt like new-mown hay, and she sat it at the mouth of the cave and plaited a halter out of horse-eyed. And she looked at the shoulder of mutton bone, at the big broad blade bone, and she made a magic. She made the second singing magic in the world. Out in the wild woods, all the wild animals wondered what had happened to Wild Dog. And at last, Wild Horse stamped with his foot and said, I will go and see and say why Wild Dog has not returned. Cat, come with me. Nenny, said the cat. I am the cat who walks by himself, and all places are alike to me. I will not come. But all the same, he followed Wild Horse softly, very softly, and hid himself where he could hear everything. When the woman heard Wild Horse tripping and stumbling on the, on his long maid, she laughed and said, Here comes the second wild thing out of the wild woods. What do you want? Wild Horse said, Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy, where's Wild Dog? The woman laughed and picked up the blade bone and looked at it and said, Wild thing out of the wild woods, you did not come here for wild, dog, but for the sake of this good grass. And Wild Horse, tripping and stumbling on his long mane, said, That is true. Give it me to eat. The woman said, Wild thing out of the wild wood, bend your wild head and wear what I give you, and you shall eat this wonderful grass three times a day. Ah, said the cat, listening. This is a clever woman, but she is not so clever as I am. Wild Horse bent his wild head, and the woman slipped the plated hide halter over it. And Wild Horse breathed on the woman's feet and said, "O my mistress and wife of my mistress, I will be your servant for the sake of this wonderful grass. Ah, said the cat, listening, that is very foolish horse. He went back through the wet wild woods, waving his wild tail and walking by his wild lone. But he never told anybody. When the man and the dog came back from hunting, the woman said, what is Wild Horse doing here? And the woman said, His name is not Wild Horse anymore, but the first servant, because he will carry us from place to place for always and always and always, Ride right on the, his back when you go hunting. Next day, holding her wild head high that her wild horn should not catch in the wild trees, Wild Cow came up to the cave, and the cat followed and hid herself just the same as before. And everything happened just the same as before in the cat and the same thing as before. And when Wild Cow had promised to give her milk to the woman every day in exchange for the wonderful grass, the cat went back through the wet wild woods, wa- wa- waving his wild tail and walking by his wild s- lone, just the same as before, but he never told anybody. And when the man and the horse and the dog came home from hunting, and asked the same question as before. The woman said, her name is not wild cow anymore, but the giver of good food. She will give us the warm white milk for always and always and always. And I will take care of her while you and the first friend and the first servant go hunting. Next day, the cat waited to see if any other wild thing would go to up to the cave, but no one moved in the wet wild woods. So the cat walked there by himself, and he saw the woman milking the cow, and he sh- saw the light of the fire in the cave, and he smelt the smell of the warm white milk. Cat said, O my enemy and wife of my enemy, where'd wild cow go? The woman laughed and said, Wild thing out of the wild woods, go back to the woods again, for I've braided my hair and I've put away the magic blade bone, and we have no more need of either friend or servants in our cave. Cat said, I'm not a friend and I'm not a servant. I am the cat who walks by himself, and I wish to come into your cave." The woman said, "Then why did you not come with first friend on the first night?" Cat grew very angry and said, "As wild dog told tales of me." Then the wild woman laughed and said, "Then the woman laughed and said, 'You are the cat who walks by himself, and all places are alike to you. You are neither a friend nor a servant. You have said it yourself. Go away and walk by yourself in all places alike.'" Then cat pretended to be sorry and said, "Must I never come into the cave?" Must I never sit by the warm fire? Must I never drink the warm white milk? You are very wise and very beautiful. You should not be cruel even to a cat. The woman said, I knew I was wise, but I didn't know know I was beautiful. So I will make a bargain with you. If ever I say one word in your praise, you may come into the cave. And if you say two words in my praise, said the cat, I never shall, said the woman. But I say two words in your praise, you may sit by the fire in the cave. And if you say three words to the cat, I never shall, said the woman, but if I say three words in your praise, you may drink the white white warm milk three times a day for always and always and always. Then the cat arched his back and said, Now let the curtain at the mouth of the cave and the fire at the back of the cave and the milk pots that stand beside the fire remember what my enemy and the wife of my enemy has said. And he went away through the wet wild woods, waving his wild tail and walking by his wild lone. That night when the man and the horse and the dog came home from hunting, the woman did not tell them of the bargain that she had made with the cat because she was afraid that they might not like it. The cat went far and far away and hid himself in the wet wild woods by his wild lone for a long time till the woman forgot all about him. Only the bat, the little upside down bat that hung inside the cave knew where cat was, hid and every evening bat would fly to cat with news of what was happening. One evening, Bat said, there's a baby in the cave. He is new and pink and fat and small. And the woman is very fond of him. Ah, said the cat, what is the baby fond of? He is fond of things that are soft and tickle, said the Bat. He is fond of warm things to hold in his arms when he goes to sleep. He is fond of being played with. He is fond of all those things. Ah, said the cat, listening, then my time has come. Next night Cat walked through the wet wild woods and hid very near the cave to morning time and the man and the dog and the horse went hunting. The woman was busy cooking that morning and the baby cried and interrupted so she carried him outside the cave and gave him a handful of pebbles to play with but still the baby cried. Then the cat put out his patty paw and patted the baby on the cheek and it cooed. And the cat rubbed against its fat knees and tickled it under the fat chin with his tail. And the baby laughed, and the woman heard him and smiled. Then the bat, the little upside-down bat that hung in the mouth of the cave, said, Oh, my hostess and wife of my host and mother of my host's son, a wild thing from the wild woods is most beautifully playing with your baby. A blessing on that wild thing, whoever he may be, said the woman, straightening her back, for I was a busy woman this morning and he has done me a service. That very minute and second, best beloved, the dried horse skin curtain that was stretched tail down at the mouth of the cave fell down, hoosh because it remembered the bargain she had made with the cat. And when the woman went to pick it up, lo and behold, the cat was sitting quite comfy inside the cave. Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy, mother of my enemy, said the cat. It is I, for you have spoken a word in my praise, and now I can sit within the cave for always and always and always. But still, I am the cat who walks by himself, and all places are alike to me. The woman was very angry and shut her lips tight and took up her spinning wheel and began to spin. But the baby cried because the cat had gone away, and the woman could not hush it for struggle for it struggled and kicked and grew black in the face. Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy and mother, my enemy, said the cat. Take a strand of the wire that you are spinning and tie it to your spinning whorl and drag it along the floor and I will show you a magic that shall make your baby laugh as loudly as he is now crying. I will do so, said the woman, because I am at my wit's end, but I will not thank you for it. She tied the thread to the little clay spindle whirl and drew it across the floor and the cat ran after it and patted it with his paws and rolled head over heels and tossed it backward over his shoulder and chased it between his hind legs and pretended to lose it and pounced down upon it again till the baby laughed as loudly as it had been crying and scrambled after the cat and frolicked all over the cave till it grew tired and settled down to sleep with the cat in its arms. Now, said the cat, I will sing the baby a song that shall keep him asleep for an hour. And he began to purr loud and low, low and loud, till the baby fell fast asleep. The woman smiled as she looked down upon the two of them and said, That was wonderfully done, no question, but you are very clever, oh cat. That very minute and second, best beloved, the smoke of the fire at the back of the cave came down in clouds from the roof, poof because it remembered the bargain she had made with the cat. And when it had cleared away, lo and behold, the cat was sitting quite comfy close to the fire. Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy and mother of my enemy, said the cat, it is I, for you have spoken a second word in my praise, and now I can sit by the warm fire at the back of the cave for always and always and always. But still, I am the cat who walks by himself, and all places are alike to me. Then the woman was very, very angry and let down her hair and put more wood on the fire and brought out the broad blade bone of the shoulder of mutton and began to make a magic that should prevent her from saying a word in praise of the cat. It was not a singing magic, best beloved, it was a still magic. And by and by the cave grew so still that a little wee-wee mouse crept out of a corner and ran across the floor. Oh, my enemy and wife of my enemy, and mother of my enemy, said the cat. Is that little mouse part of your magic? Ooh gee! No, indeed, said the woman, and she dropped the blade bone and jumped upon the footstool in front of the fire and braided up her hair very quickly for fear that the mouse should run of it. Ah, said the cat, watching. Then the mouse will do me no harm if I eat it? No, said the woman, braiding her hair. Eat it quickly, and I will ever be grateful to you. Cat made one jump and caught the little mouse, and the woman said, A hundred thanks. Even the first friend is not quite quick enough to catch little mice as you have done you must be very wise that very moment and second O best beloved the milk pot that stood by the fire cracked in two pieces because it remembered the bargain she had made with the cat and when the woman jumped down from the footstool lo and behold the cat was lapping up the warm white milk that lay in one of the broken pieces Oh, my enemy, and wife of my enemy, and mother of my enemy, said the cat, it is I, for you have spoken three words in my praise, and now I can drink the warm white milk three times a day for always and always and always, but still I am the cat who walks by himself, and all places are alike to me. Then the woman laughed and set the cat a bowl of warm white milk and said, Oh, cat, you are as clever as a man, but remember that your bargain was not made with the man or the dog, and I do not know that they will do what they will do when they come home. What is that to me," said the cat, "if I have my place in the cave by the fire and my warm white milk three times a day, I do not care what the man or the dog can do." That evening when the man and dog came into the cave, the woman told them all the story of the bargain while the cat sat by the fire and smiled. Then the man said, "Yes, but he has not made a bargain with me or with all proper men after me." Then he took off the two leather boots and he took up his little stone axe, that makes three, and he fetched a piece of wood and a hatchet, that is five altogether. And he set them out in a row, and he said, Now we will make our bargain. If you do not catch mice when you are in the cave, for always and always and always, I will throw these five things at you whenever I see you, and so shall all proper men do after me. Ah, said the woman listening, This is a very clever cat, but he is not so clever as my man. The cat counted the five things, they looked very knobby, and he said, I will catch mice when I am in the cave for always and always and always, but still I am the cat who walks by himself and all places are alike to me. Not when I am near, said the man. If you had not said that last I would have put all those things away for always and always and always. But I am not going to throw I am now going to throw my two boots and my little stone axe, that makes three at you whenever I meet you, and so shall all proper men do after me. Then the dog said, wait a minute, he has not made a bargain with me or with all proper dogs after me. And he showed his teeth and said, if you are not kind to the baby while I'm in the cave for always and always and always, I will hunt you till I catch you, and when I catch you, I will bite you. And so shall all dogs, proper dogs, do after me. Ah, said the woman listening, this is a very clever cat, but he is not so clever as a dog cat counted the dog's teeth and they looked very pointed and he said I will be kind to the baby while I'm in the cave as long as he does not pull my tail too hard for always and always and always but still I am the cat that walks by himself and all places are alike to me then the man threw his two boots and the little stone axe that makes three at the cat and the cat ran out of the cave And the dog chased him up a tree, and from that day to this, best beloved, three proper men out of five will always throw things at a cat whenever they meet him, and all proper dogs will chase him up a tree. But the cat keeps his side of the bargain, too. He will kill mice, and he will be kind to babies when he is in the house, just as long as they do not pull his tail too hard. But when he has done that, and between times and when the moon gets up and the night comes, he is the cat that walks by himself and all places are alike to him. Then he goes out to the wet wild woods or up the wet wild trees or the wet wild roots waving his wild tail and walking by his wild lawn.